Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. I am joined here today by my friend Kai Millette and our special guest, KSU big man, Aaron Anderson. Uh, who actually wasn't that big, but he played center for Kennesaw State. Uh, he was with the Owls from 2010 to 2013, playing just three seasons. He was actually ended his career as the team's leading rebounder with 743 boards. Yet he set that in the final game of his college career, which coincidentally was against Florida Gulf Coast Sweet 16 Dunk City team. And just personally, uh, I remember back then he was very banged up for that game. So I don't know how he did it, but maybe we'll ask him. Um, In that game, he got 22 rebounds, single game and D1 record. He's also second in the D1 era and career field goal percentage behind Demond Robinson, who currently plays for the team. His senior year, he averaged 9.6 points and nine rebounds per game. After his graduation, he went overseas, primarily in Sweden, and won two Swedish uh, league championships. Thanks for joining us today, Aaron. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And Aaron actually goes by the nickname Ace. So we think we're going to bring that back. So we might call him Aaron. We might call him Ace. might call him A. Anderson. I don't really care. But uh, we're going to, you know, we'll mix it up. It all starts with an A. Um, So just starting off with the questions, me and Kai uh, wrote some down this weekend to hope you guys can get to know him a little bit if you weren't around over 10 years ago. Um, And also, just to preface, you can find Aaron's uh, senior highlights on YouTube quite easily. Just search Aaron Anderson, Kennesaw State. There's like a 10-minute highlight reel put together by a former assistant of the team, Corey Keyes, who was helping out back then. Um, But Aaron, you're uh, from Arizona. You currently live in Arizona. How did Kennesaw State find you out there, and what made you want to join a cross-country to become an owl? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so essentially, my after my senior year of high school, I uh, I didn't well, I didn't play any AAU ball or anything. So I didn't uh, my my looks and my offers were limited. So I went to a junior college here in uh, in Arizona, Central Arizona College. Um, and my assistant coach at the time, uh, Judd Keen, uh, he was good friends with um, uh, Coach Roth uh, under the t- Tony Engel regimen there. So um, he came out and and recruited me and my teammate actually pretty much like the day we set on set foot on campus we we had uh coach Roth in the gym with us and working out and um long story short me and Mirza took a took a visit out in early September to, to Kennesaw and it was absolutely beautiful um we we fell in love with not only the facilities the school but also your you know the, the city itself and uh and we we committed really before our season even started we signed um you know, as soon as we could. And, and that was it really. So it was, uh, I, I loved it. I loved my opportunity to get out there and I, and I took the first chance I could. Yeah. And that's Mirza, is it Shabich? Uh, yeah. Mirza Shabich. Yeah. He, uh, we, we were teammates for, for a few years there and he went out to Kennesaw. We went together. So it was, uh, it, we, it was nice to have a familiar face to go out there with me for sure. Yeah. If you guys don't remember, Mirza was primarily a, a three point shooter for a couple years with the Owls. Um, but uh, Ace, you actually lettered in baseball for four years and basketball for only three years, according to your profile. Um, what went into your decision to play basketball instead? And did you ever consider both sports at KSU? Yeah, that's that's actually that's a great question. So um, when I went to, to junior college my freshman year, the plan was for me to play baseball and basketball both. Um, 
but that obviously changed once I signed to play at Kennesaw. I didn't really need to play baseball anymore. And, and I just committed to basketball focused on that. Um, moving over to Kennesaw, it, it might've been unrealistic for me to think about playing both. Um, that, that wasn't really in the cards, especially as we'll probably get into it. We didn't have the most, uh, successful basketball teams, um, where, you know, I should probably should have been spending some extra time, you know, in the gym or, you know, improving our team as opposed to trying to do extra, extra stuff on the baseball field. But, um, and who knows if I would have even helped, but, uh, yeah, bas- baseball is always my, my number one love, but, you know, I just kept playing basketball, kept growing and, and, uh, ended up going in that direction. Well, maybe we found somebody to help out as well with our baseball coverage. Um, no, um, <laughs> You know, in your first uh, D1 game with the Owls against D1 competition, uh, you guys beat Georgia Tech by 17. Um, and that was at Kennesaw State. That was a game the entire campus was buzzing about. Wow, Georgia Tech's coming in. That was a huge deal for us as students at that time. Uh, on that Tech team was Amon Shumpert, Glenn Rice Jr., uh, Daniel Miller, I believe, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I was in the house that night. Uh, Bob Rathbun, the Hawks broadcaster, was on the call. Uh, game was broadcast on local TV. Um, it was amazing. Then we won by 17. Then, sadly to say, we entered an era of darkness from there. We didn't win another game until conference play a month and a half later and only won six more games that year. In your opinion, you know, how, you know, what was that game like? Um, how did that team that captivated the KSU campus and got the buzz going in? early November or mid-November, how did that just free fall so severely and into the future? What kind of happened there? Yeah. yeah and looking back on it, it's, it, it's kind of an interesting story. I think we lost 10 or 13 straight games after, after we were on the high of beating Georgia tech. Um, I mean, it really started before the tech game. We, the entire preseason and off season, we coach Engel did a great job of just lighting a fire under us. And, and we had bulletin board material. It seemed, seemed like daily. Um, and we we had a couple of Georgia guys on the team that you know had some had something that they wanted to show Georgia Tech and and you know the fans of basketball in Georgia, and we just we had no other thought in our head other than we were going to smoke these guys. Um, Spencer Dixon had the game; he had an amazing game. Kelvin McConnell, uh, Markeith Ladaris, I think everybody showed up that game, and um, and the fans behind us at the time it was a school record with. Uh, with the, the uh, attendance in the, in the, in the convo. Um, and that was just, the electric atmosphere was amazing. I don't think we did anything wrong that game or anything we couldn't overcome. As you can tell, we won by 17. Uh, then looking forward, that might've been the, the worst thing that could have happened to us. Honestly, we, we, we thought we were better than we were. And, you know, we lost 10 straight games and we, we kept living on that Georgia tech win, thinking that, you know, we were the team that beat the ACC cross town, not even a rival, a um, big brother uh, at the time. Um, and we, we just, we couldn't, you know, get back to the basics and, you know, we lost a lot of accountability in, on, the, on the court. Um, and we, we just thought we were a lot better than we were. And uh, the record doesn't lie. We ended up that season. I think you said what seven and or eight and 23, eight and 24, something like that. Uh, not a season to be proud of, but that game, that game definitely was something that, that we were proud of. And I know uh, the fans um, really, any, anyone, associated with the university was uh, was proud was proud of that moment 
John, you mentioned uh, Bob Rathburn being on that call, and I just want to say rest in peace to Fox Sports South. <laughs> I can't stand Bally Sports. Um, watching those highlights made me real nostalgic. Well, well don't but, worry, um, Bally's might not last much longer itself. So that That is what I'm hearing. That is what I'm hearing, but we'll stay on topic. Um, so, Aaron, excluding that Georgia Tech win, because I feel like that may be too obvious of a choice, what was your favorite game, win or loss, that you played in as an owl and why? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So, um, I was always a huge fan of playing these high majors. Um, we had a we had a road trip where we went from from Notre Dame to Pitt um, early my senior season. Um, we we were close to Notre Dame there, ranked at the time. We ended up losing by a good bit, but we we fought for a while and we toured the campus, and um, that was a good experience for the team. Then we went to Pitt and got blown out. I think that was the worst game of my career. I remember I had five turnovers in the first half. Um, Considering I didn't touch the ball much was <laughs> it's a lot to lot to say about that, but um, I, I did I enjoyed that trip. I also enjoyed we had a tournament out in Vegas around Christmas time, which was close to close to my family. So I had a lot of family go out there, and we actually got a win on that road trip against Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Um, and just playing out there with my family, I got to go home with them after the game, spend the holidays at home. Um, I mean, as far as favorite games go, those really stand out. But really, any high major game, the Wisconsin, the Tennessee. Missouri, Iowa State. I mean, those were those were always games that we that I I remember more than the others for sure. I want to throw a game out there that was my favorite of your era. I was there uh, courtside for that one. Not sure if you remember it, but it was when we beat uh, Mercer at the Convocation Center, and the referees called like we shot like fifty four free throws. They called everything. It was insane. It was. Do you remember that? I do remember it. Um, that was also my one three-pointer I hit of the season that year. I was one for one, I believe. Um, I do think it it went in or I let go of it after the shot clock expired. But, hey, I'll take it. Um, I do remember that. Yes, exactly. Uh, that was that was definitely a memorable game, especially being Mercer and our rival. That was uh, a team that we we always wanted to beat, um, that we were actually able to, to get it done. And I think, think we beat them pretty handedly as well, if I remember correctly. I think it was just one of those nights um, and during that era, you know, to get a win, it, it seemed to always have to be one of those nights, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you played under coach legendary coach, Tony Engel, your first two years, rest in peace, coach Engel who passed away from COVID a couple of years ago. Um, then you played your last couple under uh, Lewis Preston. Um, coach Engel got us our D2 national championship. For those of you who don't know, uh, he was, quite the character to say the least um very energetic very charismatic had his own unique style and way of talking and doing everything um can you share what you learned from coach angle or at least some memories uh favorite memories yeah coach angle he was uh he was you mentioned it he was extremely charismatic he he was probably the most passionate man i've ever i've ever been around he whatever he spoke about he had passion uh he had you know, he spoke with passion about it. Um, he really genuinely cared about, he really genuinely cared about the guys. Um, and always a happy, he was always happy, always smiling. Um, I came across him when the final four was in Phoenix, I don't know, five years ago, maybe six years ago at this point, I ran into coach Engel and, uh, he was with his family and I mean, he didn't hesitate at all. We, we talked for 15, 20 minutes. He was talking to my wife, like, like, you know, making her laugh and, you know, making fun of me and making little jokes here and there. Um, and I had to explain to her afterwards, like, yeah, that was, you know, that was the guy who brought me out to Kennesaw. Um, and it really brought, brought back a lot of memories playing for him. He was, he was an inspirational guy. He, he cared about us 
I mean, more than anything, um, we, we definitely miss him. Um, but uh, his passion and, and how charismatic he was, that, that definitely sticks out. He was one of a kind. Right. So as John mentioned, you began your career under Coach Engel and then finished it under Coach uh, Lewis Preston. Um, it seems like you had good relationships with both men, um, but what were some of the differences in how the program was run from coach to coach? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love playing for Coach Preston as well. He, uh, it, was a difficult, it was a difficult situation that he came in. We had a lot of issues with APR, our academic progress rate, um, and we got penalized quite a bit. We, we lost a day of practice per week. We lost a few scholarships, one if not two. Um, we lost hours that we were able to be on the court as a team. Um, and it, and it was, and it was tough cause he had to come in and, and rebuild the culture almost. And we're already, we're missing, you know, a lot of resources that we, we could have used. Um, and, and he came in and, and we didn't have a great season. I mean, there's no hiding behind that, but you know, I, I love playing for coach Preston because that he was, he was a, a true leader of, of men. And, and in terms of, of leading us to victories, we didn't quite get there, but, we, we overcame a lot of issues and there was a lot of things that we couldn't quite overcome on, on the court, but our team, our team overall was, was, uh, you know, a, a, a team that underachieved for sure. But I think we were put in a tough spot with, with the penalties we had with the APR. Right. So as we talked about a little bit earlier, as a player, you got to experience right around the peak of that Mercer Kennesaw state rivalry. Just want to know, was there any real distaste for Mercer amongst the players or was that just kind of something that the athletic department was pushing to uh, put seats or put butts in seats? <laughs> no, there was some distaste there for sure. Um, I think the year before I got here, we played them in the conference in the conference um, tournament. And I think we knocked them off, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there was a, some distaste and especially being an in-state rival, but throughout my career we didn't beat them very often and and in terms of a rivalry that's that's not going to make the best ones uh it was pretty one-sided so we we really were fighting to get a win against anybody and the fact that we got a win against mercer was big um the rivalry wasn't as strong as it was when it wasn't as strong when i was there just because we we just didn't get a lot of wins and we we had to focus on ourselves more than we focused on anybody else to be honest so um that was that was a rivalry that you know i didn't get to enjoy as much because we were on the wrong side of it but it was there. It just may not have been as strong as it was in the past previously before I got there. And, and when, um, you know, we did beat Mercer, that was the same core of the team that went to the tournament the next year and beat Duke, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much the same core players, Bud Thomas, uh, Langston Hall, um, every, everything like that. Is that correct, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Langston Hall, I think he's still playing overseas. Um, he's doing well for himself. But yeah, absolutely. We they had some good players, and and uh, I mean they they were always a tough team. They were really well coached. They had really great discipline. Um, and and Langston Hall. I mean, I'm glad you brought him up. He was a, he was a, he was a really great player. He was tough to beat. Um, I felt bad for our guards playing against him, but um, yeah, that was a good team. They ended up beating Duke. I think the year after the the Florida Gulf Coast tournament team went to the the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, people were calling us the A Stun Conference. Um, That's right. I don't. I don't think we've stunned that much since then. But uh, you know that 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 won't be our business much longer. But uh, I, I digress. Yeah, and you know Mercer had their moment right before State got hot, and you know Mercer was kind of the the team to watch in the state of Georgia because Tech and UGA have been down for the last decade and a half, and you know Kennesaw was Kennesaw. 
But anyway, speaking of rivals, things look a little different now than they did back then. You know, now we have a pretty established rivalry with uh, schools like Jacksonville State. And now we have a growing one with Liberty, especially with the, you know, move to the same conference starting next year. But back when you played, excluding Mercer, who were some of the conference rivals or out-of-conference rivals that you guys maybe hated a little bit more than others? We we definitely hated Belmont. Belmont, um, again, it was pretty lopsided. We, we, we took our hits there. But... But those guys, they just played the game so well, and they were coached so well under Rick Bird. Um, seemed like every time we played them, they just knew exactly how to shut us down, and we we couldn't get anything in the basket. They were putting up close to triple digits. Um, that was a that was a great team, and and uh, and we really we hated playing them, not because they were a better team than us, just because they they were fighting. You know, they were they were a fighting team, and they they were going to go at us for forty minutes. Um, similar with Lipscomb, Lipscomb, we, we, we fought hard with, that was a good road trip when we went up to play those guys, but, but Belmont was always a team that when we played them, we knew we were going to get it for 40 minutes. And if I'm not I mistaken, all... one of those Belmont teams beat UNC early in the year. Yeah. Or maybe that was right after, but yeah, they had some good teams. And as yeah. a fan going to those games, I also knew we were going to get it for 40 minutes and usually <laughs> did. Um, I remember going to those games and like, oh, yes, we hit a layup with like five seconds left to make it 48 instead of 50. Woo. Uh, uh, but it was it was pretty rough. Like Belmont had, I believe, what Karan Johnson, Ian Clark, uh, Mick Hedgepath, who I think is a coach now. Like they were just a bunch of coaches, future coaches on the court. Just such a smart team playing for Rick Bird. Me. Oh, so smart, so fundamental. They they knew what they were doing so well that they could they could going back to my previous point, they could focus on the other team all day long and real and find out how we're playing defense and how we're, you know, switching pick and rolls or whatever we're doing with our rotation. And they they just picked us apart every single possession. If they didn't if they didn't make a three every possession, we were happy. Essentially, it was uh, that was a very well coached team and and those guys knew how to play for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, you know, speaking of all those struggles, bringing it back to more present times, what was it like for you as a former player to, you know, see Kennesaw State finally make the tournament after, you know, over a decade of struggle and mediocrity? Oh, man, I could go on and on about this. It was, um, I mean, being in Arizona, there's not many people who have heard about Kennesaw State. So whenever it came up, I have to explain, oh, it's outside of Atlanta, the Division One Atlantic Sun Conference. Um, so it, it kind of validated a few things for me once they made the tournament or went on their little went on the run through the, the conference tournament. Um, but even as much as we as much as I was a supporter and a believer, knowing the past decade at Kennesaw State with basketball, it was almost like I was waiting for something to go wrong. Um, but I mean, it seemed like every every game, every stretch, every media timeout, we come out and you know, Demond gets a bucket, a big rebound, TB. Every time he touched the ball, uh, it something positive happened, and and that's when I started to feel like, man, this team is this team is gonna turn it around for us and make some big uh, momentum going into the tournament. Uh, my entire family, we were we contemplated flying out to North Carolina for the game. We we decided not to last minute, and we all had our Kennesaw State uh, gear on here in Tucson, um, cheering them on for that for that game. Uh, but it was it was just validating, you know. I'd love to see the guys out there, obviously. You know, no one I played with is still a part of the program, but I mean, these are our brothers um, and and just seeing the program, you know, get off on the right foot after, you know, a decade of me being gone. It's uh, it was it was really nice to see these guys be successful and and be happy. You know, I mean, you don't you don't see many happy moments in the locker room when you go, you know, eight and twenty three or three and twenty seven. 
but these guys, they enjoyed the game. They played the game the right way. And it was, it was so cool to see them so successful. Yeah, it was definitely a special year. And, you know, now we have to start kind of not all over again, but um, you know, we got burden back, we got Robinson back. It's, going to kind of feel like the start of a new era, but credit to the guys that came back. Um, you know, they didn't have to, they wanted to stay. Um, they could have, you know, totally screwed us over, but they wanted to come and grow their legacy. So shout out to especially burden coddle, you know, those guys and coach Petway for, you know, keeping them here. Um, but, uh, you know, as part of your game, you know, you were an undersized, you know, you're probably, I would say a a five, you know, but it could say if we were more built like a four, but, you know, probably didn't have the shooting to be that stretch four. So you, they kind of stuck you at the five. Um, rebounding was your thing. You know, how much of that is effort, attitude versus talent and ability? Was it just the desire to get it? What's your take on and your philosophy on rebounding? Yeah, I think I think you you mentioned a few things there. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm six, six, maybe two twenty playing days. Um, definitely not the biggest guy on the court really ever. Um a lot of it, a lot of it's effort. Um, I, I think that's a easy thing to say and it, you know, a lot of people say it, but you, I just wanted the ball more than, more than somebody else. Um, I was never a guy that got plays drawn up for me or anything like that. Um, and I, and I took pride in rebounding. That was something that I knew that was my job. I knew I did it better than, better than most. And, and I wanted to, to make sure that I can make an impact on the game in any way I could. So, I mean, yeah, effort for sure, but also, you know, understanding, you know, you, you can see the flight of the ball when it goes up and see, you know, it's going to be short or it's going to be long or depending on where the shot comes from or, or even who shoots it. I mean, you can get a good idea where the ball is going to go before you before uh, it hits the rim. Um, so that that played a big part looking back on it. Um, but really just wanting the ball and wanting to make a difference. Um, I mean, you mentioned the Florida State or excuse me, the, the Florida Gulf Coast game to end my career with 22 rebounds that I mean, that. I couldn't tell you how many missed free throw rebounds I got. You know, they missed the front end of a one-on-one probably six times, and I grabbed all those. So, I mean, there's definitely some effort and some skill, but a lot of it goes, I mean, right place at the right time. Um, but it's got to be something you want to do. you you got to want the ball more than the next guy. And didn't you play that last game versus Florida Gold Coast? Weren't you pretty hurt with your back, if I remember? Uh, my entire senior year, my back was messed up. We had a – we had a – preseason there was a, a a team that came in and we did like a workout with them we finished with open run and this guy tried to dunk on me and he like put his foot into my my hip and my back was messed up the entire year and that was another thing right we talked about with with coach Preston dealing with a lot of things and our entire team that year I practiced maybe 40 percent of the time I was with with Mike in the training room a lot getting treatment um I could never really go a full practice so my entire senior year was just um go out and play as much as you can. And if, if you're, if your back's okay, then we'll practice. If not, then get some free throws up. Um, it was, it was a rough season for sure, but yeah, I wasn't, I was not healthy to end the year. That just makes your record more impressive. And um, you mentioned Mike, uh, Mike Young, he's still here. Did you know that? I, I did. I, I saw him. Uh, I saw him against Xavier. I saw him in the, you know, all the games I would watch on ESPN plus. Uh, I love seeing him. That's a talking about passion. That guy is passionate. <laughs> you see him on the on the camera on the sidelines. Like he's a great guy. That guy is basically like the living record and historian of Kennesaw State basketball uh, right now. Can, he can tell you. I don't know how long he was there. I don't think he was there during Coach Engel, but uh, you know he can take everyone through the shit and kind of you know get off my lawn and you know back yeah. in my day. Uh, he's been through it all. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, coach Petway can go to him and like, all right, what's, what's the history of this program before I got here? Like, well, let me start off by oh and 18 in conference. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but uh, you know, after you graduated from Kennesaw state, you played overseas, won I think a couple championships in uh, Sweden. Um, did you play o- only in Sweden or did you play some other places as well? No, I, I started in Portugal. So after I graduated, I, I came back home to Tucson um, and I had my agent um, and he and we were we were looking for a job overseas. And we uh, like beginning of September, which is really late uh, for European basketball, beginning of September, I get a call um, and he says, hey, a team in Portugal wants wants to sign you. Basically, yes or no. You find out in what 48 hours. Uh, of course, I took that opportunity um, and I was on Madeira. So an island off of the coast of Portugal, which is looking back on it was beautiful. I should have taken more advantage of being out there while I, while I was there. Um, just an amazing place to play, amazing place to start my career. Um, that, and I had a good season in Portugal. So um, I ended up, well, to backtrack, we, we didn't get paid. So I say it's a good season, but we didn't get paid from February, March, or April. So middle of April comes around and, and the GM says, hey, to, to all of our, the Americans on the team, um, I'll pay you February and March, um, but I'm going to send you guys home before playoffs. So we we took our money and we flew home. Our team struggled in the playoffs. And then almost immediately, I signed a, a contract for the next season in Czech Republic. So I was in Czech Republic. Um, I doubled my contract there. I was in Czech Republic for about a month and a half or two months. And I got released, unfortunately, just to finish of the, the finish of the preseason. Um, and my agent got me a job in uh, – a 10 day, basically a 10 day contract, a, a week long contract in, um, in Sweden. And I found my home in Sweden. I, I really enjoyed, uh, the coaching staff, uh, veteran Bosnich, who's now coaching in, in Belgium. Um, absolutely love playing for him. And, and I stayed out there for three years. So, um, I finished my career out there and then, you know, the kids and family come along and, and, uh, it was time to come back to the States and, and, uh, and, you know, get them in school and things like that. So I'm actually a dual citizen. I have citizenship in the Czech Republic. So I'm curious, uh, what part of town were you in? Oh, look at that. I was in Usti, Usti na Labem. Gotcha. So yeah, I was up there. Um, and I, I loved it. I was, I was there for a very short amount of time. Uh, they took care of me really well. Um, they, the facilities for the team that I played for were actually probably one of the best in, in Czech Republic outside of the top teams. Um, so that was a, it was a good experience and I love being out there and, um, you know, it didn't work out for me. I actually got, <laughs> I got uh, released after, you know, they pulled me out of the cold tub and said, come to the GM's office right now. And he released me right then and there. Uh, so some, some bad memories as well, but overall Czech Republic was a great place. Yeah. What I tell people is like, after going over there a few times, quality of life is like shockingly similar to it is in most of the United States. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Absolutely. And- and how was the style of play and level of competition, you know, just overseas in general? How did that compare to college? You know, were the top players in college, you know, better than the, you know, like the like the premier elite players in college better than the overseas people? Like, what what's your take there? Yeah, that's a – I mean, that co- question comes up quite a bit still just in, in basketball overall. There, there's really different levels. So when I was in Sweden, we played, we played all throughout Europe. We played in the FIBA Europe Cup, and we made it to the second round a couple times, which is great. Um but throughout Sweden, I mean, there's some high major players. We had on my team, we had John Robertson. He was he was from Texas Tech. Um, he played under Bob Knight, actually. 
Um, and now he's he's still playing, making making a good living over there. And there's some really good players overseas in the lower leagues for sure. Um, it really depends on the club you play for, in my experience. Um, in Czech Republic, it was we we didn't have um, you know our the organization was run eh, not poorly, just not as great as it could have been when I look back on it compared to Portugal and Sweden. But um, a lot of good players. It just really depends on 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 the program and the club you play for just to see. I mean, because there's a lot of guys who who can play overseas. I know from my time, Yannel Brown, Spencer Dixon, Mark Keith is still making a living playing professionally. A lot of talented guys play overseas. But, um, you know, if you think of all of Division One, Division Two, there's a lot of seniors that graduate every year looking for a job um, and only, you know, a certain few get that job and that opportunity. So definitely good competition. Um it just really depends on the club you play for in the country you're in. Okay. okay. And um, I guess, when did you officially uh, retire from basketball? Um, so my son was born in 2020 and I took, uh, at that point I'd already taken a year off to be back home with the family. Um, well, actually while I was on paternity leave for 10 weeks, I went back out to Sweden um, for an opportunity to, to see just to practice the team and see if I could, you know, take the family back out there for, the last bit of the year. Um, and it didn't work out. My body, you know, really couldn't take the two a days anymore. And, um, these guys are still just as athletic and fast as they used to be. So really the end of the end of 2021, I guess I was, I was pretty much done playing. I still love it. I still follow really every level of basketball you can from, from college, you know, even high school, locally, um, NBA, Euro league overseas. So I still follow it quite a bit playing a men's league here and there, but, um, pretty much done with the competitive side of things. Okay. Gotcha. And, and who were some of the best big men that you, that you faced in college? I know you faced Steven Adams. I saw, and I think Frank Kaminsky kind of early on his career was there, yeah. but you know, who, it doesn't have to be a high major name. You know, there could be a lower level person. I don't know, maybe like an Adnan Hadzik from Lipscomb or, you know, what, what, what was his name? Emerson from Mercer. He might've played against who are some of the big men that really stood out to you in your playing days? Yeah. You, you mentioned Hedgepeth earlier. He was, he was so skilled. His footwork was great. He knew how to use his body. Um, Steven Adams was one of a kind. I think his calves were the size of my quads. He was huge. That man. Um, Jarnell Stokes was great. Um, Jarnell Stokes was a, he was a great player for Tennessee. My senior year, we played them. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Frank Kaminsky. We, uh, he, I think that might've been his freshman year when we played him. He didn't get a lot of minutes, so we played against him. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think Jarnell Stokes, Stephen Adams were some of the big ones, um, and a lot of a lot of great guard play, like Pat Connaughton from Notre Dame. He was just he was a stud. He could do it all. Um, but I think I think you named the ones that I think would that stand out the most to me. I think you got off easy in terms of the uh, amount of high major talent that you face compared to perhaps some of the later owls from the mid to late uh, 2010s. Um, I think it could have been a lot worse is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't Oh, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I remember pretty sure we played like Ben Simmons and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we didn't have any super high, I mean, Iman Shumper, Frank Kaminsky, um, you know, a lot of guys that played in the NBA for sure. Matthew Delavadova. I mean, not a big man, but we played a lot of NBA guys, but overall, yeah, I think, and it might have been for the best that we didn't play any of those big monsters down low. Cause like you said earlier, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not an oversized big man by any means. So I think uh, it worked out well for me, no doubt. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are excited to have you as a regular uh, during the basketball season to join us for our post-game coverage. Again, we really appreciate it. and We look forward to having you with us again shortly. Yeah, thanks, guys. I, re I really do appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!